What's free? Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be. Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. Told my niggas I need you. Through all the fame, you know I stay true. Pray my niggas stay free. All right, welcome back to the Slay Less Show. This is episode, damn, what is this? this is episode three? It might be four. I lose count. Um, but right now, we're currently doing a little mini series on capitalism and cultural appropriation. So, the first episode, um, Capitalism and Cultural Appropriation Part 1, I invited Charles Smith II, a local Dallas designer, to come on and talk about how his designs were literally, like, to the T, stolen by Forever 21, and how he's currently embroiled in, like, a $2 billion lawsuit with them and two other companies, Puma and the other company, I forgot what he named, um, but they're currently embroiled in this lawsuit. And so, to continue along with the theme of cultural appropriation and capitalism, Today I have my friend Gabe here to talk with us. He is a specialist in music and a local Dallas DJ. And I don't want to like say too much about him because I want him to be able to define himself. So Gabe, if you'll just uh, introduce yourself and tell the people where they can find you and your work, all sorts of things. All right. Um, I am DJ GS Black Spades Media. Uh, that's the name of my media company. And uh, we provide services in a lot of different areas, um, music, uh, videography, DJing, photography, speaker rental, photo booth, <laughs> mobile barber, everything, tutor, everything, <laughs> candy maker. I don't know, basket weaver. No, I'm just joking. The last two, no, scratch that off. But a lot of stuff. Yeah, can you tell us your uh, your social media handles and stuff? Um, my my DJ one is DJ underscore GS. Uh, underscore and then my business Instagram is Black Spades Spades with a Z Media <laughs> Black Spades Media. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so um, like I said, I have Gabe here today to talk with us about music and cultural appropriation. So just to kind of like dive right in, um, how do you define cultural appropriation and what qualifies and does not qualify as cultural appropriation? I feel like this phrase is kind of like made, um, especially like in academic circles, it's made like this huge splash over the past four years, especially with various artists being called out. The first one that always comes to mind for me is Iggy Azalea. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of the way, like, in my opinion, her career was like halted very, very quickly from like the beginning because mm -hmm. of what many perceive to be cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. So can you just talk to us about how you define that and what you think qualifies and doesn't qualify? Um, I would define uh, cultural pro appropriation as um, a situation in which you have two separate cultures and um, one culture chooses to, or one group, let me say group, okay. one group chooses to uh, partake in certain actions uh, clothing wear, slang, uh, certain, uh, they, they choose to use it, <laughs> basically, without any regards to the original culture and with, in terms of like the power dynamic, they're the ones in power. I think that's a kind of a big one for, specifically for black people. I think when it comes to cultural appropriation, like our biggest problem with it isn't necessarily people doing people outside of our culture doing things because truth be told, we like it when white people stanky leg. We like it when, it's, when, funny. Like, it's funny. It's entertaining. Like, <laughs> like they'll be at the party trying to, trying to, uh, uh, jig a train or all that. We like, Hey, we turned up with them. So we don't have an issue with 
people using or like participating per se, it's more so the power dynamic behind it because we know that with Europeans, white people, um, other um, not as marginalized groups, like there's a there's a power dynamic. Like you don't have to take on the negative attributes of what I'm doing, and also historically speaking, which I guess adds more to I guess targets more to the black experience. These were th- the things that they're using now, the things that they're partaking in now, uh, were things that we were shamed for, were things mm-hmm. that we were uh, mm-hmm. taught against. Absolutely. So that's the second kind of aspect to it. Um, and then the other part, the third part, it's so many dynamics to it, but the other part, and I'll stop there, uh, is the fact that not only do you not give credit, not only, uh, not only are you... Uh, not sorry, 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 but you're not paying. You're not paying dues, <laughs> straight up. Like yes. you're just you're not you're not getting money. You're not you're not taking the money that you receive for promoting boxer braids and giving <laughs> a portion of it back to uh, black schools in which uh, braids are a common thing. <laughs> right, in which you know, like little black girls and boys are discriminated against and told in certain. You know, there are so many different stories in the media where they're told, you know, they can't come to school because of braids. They're being removed from school because of braids. They're having locks. Um, different situations like that. And I think it's really interesting that you differentiate between you said use and then you switch to participate. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks to, like the larger dynamic of what cultural appropriation is because like it's one thing to appreciate a culture and participate mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. while understanding that you are not in that culture right. especially if you're from a group that has power over that group of, that other group of people the group right. of people that's been othered because i think you know you have to definitely take into account marginalization and so um when you're participating i think it's more like appreciation as far as like you using like say forever 21 you know picks out a daishiki uh mm-hmm. pattern Mm-hmm. And they start printing daishikis and mm-hmm. stuff and selling them for like, you know, $30 a pop, making like this huge profit off of them. And this is, you know, uh, an item of clothing that is, you know, traditionally associated with African culture and African people. Mm-hmm. Or for instance, you know, just even like urban clothing. We say we call it urban clothing, but stuff that would be music, clothing, stuff that would be associated with like um, black or, mm-hmm. you know, children of color where they have been marginalized for it. And I think you hit it right on the nail at the end where you talk about like compensation. That's ultimately what we're here to talk about. Like cultural appropriation is more than just, oh, you're you're doing our shit, you're doing our stuff. Like, no, you're also taking money out of the hands of people that actually deserve it, you know? Exactly. Especially in regards to music, which is what we're, you know, here to talk about today. And can I add something else too? Yeah. I was uh, uh, watching other videos on cultural appropriation, did a little homework. Yeah, look at you. I was just trying to see what different <laughs> perspectives were out there. Yeah. And uh, uh, one guy who was arguing the case for cultural appropriation, in he was arguing that it was okay, that it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, well, there are Chinese people who don't mind it. And they showed like this video of some Chinese people looking at Katy Perry wear the traditional garb and all that. And he was like, they liked it. And I was like, again, it, reinf- it, it reinforces the idea that everyone is okay with, with, with that. But the fact of the matter is you're dealing with two different cultures. You're, you talking really about, are. you're talking about a culture that actually has power over their name. They still have their native tongue. Yeah. They still have all the stuff they need. Hell, uh, China's uh, making plenty of money off America by printing and creating all kinds of stuff that they mm-hmm. send over here. So, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, go ahead. You can wear nine times out of ten if you bought that. Nine times out of ten, 
they know that Katy Perry probably hired a traditional Chinese shaman to teach the to teach it or to mm-hmm. give the cloth. So they're not tripping Absolutely. off of it. And then also, I think like I just I really hate that comparison because like you can't compare. Although I feel like Asian people and African Americans have both experienced degrees of marginalization, like you can't really compare the two of them because they're Agreed. so different. And so to say, well, well, Asian people are okay with it. Okay, cool. I'm not Asian. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I'm, 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 so, I'm glad you put all the minorities in a bucket. <laughs> Thanks for grouping us all together. Like we're all the same because we're not white. But yeah, right. for sure. Um, I also think that. Yeah, like, you can't really, you have to really, like, be careful in those comparisons because when you talk about white supremacy and all the different ways that it manifests itself, Mm -hmm. it manifests itself differently for different groups of people. Exactly. So while, you know, black people may experience something, Asian people don't experience that, or Hispanic people don't experience that, or Native Americans or any other group Mm -hmm. of people that has traditionally been marginalized under the umbrella of white supremacy doesn't experience things the same, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on. Let's dive into music. So how is cultural appropriation particularly harmful in regard to music? Can you actually separate music from the artists producing it? Um, the first question, let me make sure, I, let me before I respond, because <laughs> I, I had a response, but I want to make sure I answer it correctly. Yeah, I got but you. But you're asking if cultural appropriation uh, is, is it particularly harmful in regard to music? Yeah, like how and is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. so 100% <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the reason why it's it's harmful uh, because there's no real way another person can truly, in a real way, uh, express the sentiments of a particular culture that they don't belong to. Mm-hmm. Music is an is a cultural expression mm-hmm. from the the sounds to the beats to the images to the to the videos they put together with it. Yeah. Like it's all together. The thing about it is music is also a tool, could be potentially a tool to to educate the masses. Right. I mean, right, it already right. is because it's educating us in one way or the other, whether we whether we believe it or like it or take it in or not. It's educating us one direction. It's indoctrinating us one way or the other. So with that being said, like if people aren't, if, if we're not responsible for it, then that message can go anywhere. And that's where capitalism comes in. And that can be mm-hmm. a problem because yeah. they won't think about the culture that they're affecting uh, they'll think about more so the dollar, and that's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the next question, can you actually separate music from the artist producing it? Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> I think yes and no. Like, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm answering the question, like, correctly, I think that you can, uh, only because... I think because you, you're aware that they can live a whole different life outside of the music that they have or the music that they promote. Mm-hmm. Like, Lyra Cohen is a major, uh, he's over 300 Entertainment. He was part of Def Jam, a big part, big part of all that. Mm-hmm. When, when he, I guess just being, on, with the recent turn of, like, events in terms of music, gangster rap, trap music, yeah. all of that is under his label. Does he live that life? He's producing it, but does he live that life? Absolutely not. Like See, there are a lot of and there are a lot of and there are a lot of there are a lot of people. So yeah. I think I think you can separate it. I just I just don't think we're aware that we're supposed to. That is very, very interesting. You said a mouthful there. 
So let's start with the fact that a lot of record labels and a lot of the people who are in charge of like distribution, which ultimately is like, you know, the push for driving sales, mm. they're not people from these communities that are producing trap music. They have no idea. No idea. No idea like really what trap music is about, why it's being produced to people who have literally like, like I sat down um, and I was listening to like this interview that Jeezy did and he was talking about how he signed these three guys, two of them. I think are doing like forty years sentences for murder. His first artist. Yes, his yeah, the first, first artist. artist and then yeah. one of them got murdered. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, like how how do you relate to that? Like, and this is the thing: it's like you make music, it becomes popular, it's popping. Like people like Jeezy, people like trap. Like right. trap music is a whole wave and has been for some time now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people, especially people that aren't from our community, are listening to it in the lens that it needs to be listened to because they're thinking, oh, this is like. I'm trapping, like I'm selling, you know, crack mm-hmm. and doing all. And it's, it sounds, you know, glamorous to them. Mm-hmm. It sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like this is like a mode of survival. And like people are not making music because I feel like some people, I mean, I think ultimately people are making music, of course, because it sells. But people aren't talking about this because this is fun. Like this is this nigga's life. Right. Like, this is where he came from. Right, like right, this right, is right. what he was doing. And it, I guess it kind of bothers me ultimately that, the people who in some ways are really like benefiting in a very large way from rappers in particular making that kind of music, they'll never be, ex- their children will never be exposed never. to that life. And never. They, they get to turn that shit on the radio, on their stereo, on their Bluetooth, bump it, listen to it. Oh, let's get ready to go out. Let's get ready to go to a party. They mm-hmm. have no idea. No idea. No idea. And it's, it's interesting because it, what you just said makes me think about like the 6ix9ine situation. Yes. Like he was a person who, from the outside looking in, he was encouraged to participate in those antics. Adopt that lifestyle and that aesthetic. They they encouraged that kind of, like, suck my dick mentality. Like, they encouraged all of that because they knew it would get hits, it get clicks, it get baits, it get all of that. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, being a, a young poor kid from from uh I think I think Brooklyn. Yeah. But being a poor yeah Bronx somewhere somewhere been there. But being a poor uh Latino kid in New York like, I obviously, I, I believe he should be held responsible for the stuff that he's done. But at the same time, like, I think for those kids who live in such, like, poverty-stricken situations, and mm-hmm. I and from my understanding, he wasn't rich. He just grew up like a regular poor Spanish kid. And it's like, it's crazy because that's what capitalism does. Mm-hmm. It pushes you to desire money so much that you're willing to put yourself in a dangerous position with people who are willing to put you in a dangerous position and never experience any of the negative of it. Never. And just <laughs> and really all of it, I feel like, just in particular with his case, like, I feel like he did a lot of that shit to lend himself this type of, like, you know, this this made-up street credibility. Like, mm. I know he was, you know, he was thugging, but I don't think he was thugging, thugging. Like, I think he was just, that, That's the baby. Like, I wasn't in the streets with him. I right. wasn't loading up the sticky on no. I'm passing out. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't doing none of that. I mean, even. With him. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I mean, I, so. I guess none of us can really say because we don't really know. But I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the situation he's in. And you can tell, like, this is a young kid. Right. He's scared shitless. Like, he's, like, facing real life charges. Like, he's about to go to jail. Man, I some, heard he done got beat up by some Crips in there. Yeah, I don't know. What I heard a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I heard he got what's... moved. He got moved to the, uh, the to prison for the snitches because it wasn't safe for him a in lot the regular of that. prison. Like,. And it's like it's 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 crazy because again, like he took that risk, and that's what happened. And again, the people who are behind him are glad he took that risk. Actually, the crazy part is, the crazy part is, they went ahead and 
what you call it, the music. They went ahead and dropped the album on They weren't supposed like, to, right? They, they weren't supposed, supposed yeah. to, but they went ahead and they was like, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be in there. We don't know what's going to come out they about capitalized. him. capitalized. Like, we need to, <laughs> his hotness is like, 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 already we just noticed Takashi 6ix9ine's clicks went down a, a thousand hits or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? So we need to move, like, push his music. Like, let's get this money back that we've invested. So... And it's I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you have to sit there and think, like, what are the larger implications? Like, he dropped an album, like, what, the number one, number two album. I know there was, like, some debate between him and Travis Scott who had the number one album. But he dropped this album, and he's sitting in jail. Like, he can't even really – he reaps the benefits of it because he has access to money for lawyers that other people in prison don't. Right. But he doesn't actually get to, like, be out and enjoy that with his that's, daughter, like, with his family. Like, you know, that's That's shitty. true. Yeah, that's, that, that's a pretty shitty situation. And the fact that he's facing fed time, which means yes. that this is not county, this no. is not – State, no, this is federal <laughs> charges. Which, from my understanding, they have like a 95 or 90 something percent conviction rate, mm-hmm. which means that they don't come after you unless they know. Yeah, so. I mean, like, <laughs> just, just typically, from what I know about um, the system, like, typically, when you face federal charges, you're gonna go away for you may not go away for the whole time, but you're going away for but some you, time. you're going away for some time. <laughs> uh, no, there's no uh, probation, no <laughs> at home monitoring. It just it really <laughs> makes me sad because I, I kind of feel like we're looking at a situation almost in the sense. It's very similar. What it reminded me of watching the whole situation, it reminded me of a couple years ago when Bobby Shmurda got sent to jail. Right. And he was, you know, he's making music and he's making like this super, super grimy ass music. And he's talking about, and it's not, it's not grimy. This is he's making this up. He's actually talking about his life. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, like, he is in a situation in the industry where it's profitable to talk like that about your life. Mm-hmm. And for him, it really was his life. So he mm-hmm. talks about it and he pretty much puts himself in a position where he incriminates himself. And mm-hmm. now, yeah. He's in jail. Rasha, I'm with A-Rod. But yeah. the thing is, the, I mean, it's exactly that. And it's, like, interesting because it's, like, I maybe I'm, this might be a reach, but I'm thinking, like, if you're a part of a major label, like, somebody's connected to somebody downtown. Somebody's calling somebody and being like, hey, man, your artist that's blowing up. Like, I'm doing, I'm, because you mean uh, 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 investigators have to investigate. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they, like, hey, this guy's an artist. Hey, this guy's pretty big. Like, Hey, this guy's connected to a major label here in New York. Like, y'all, tell them to chill or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's like it's crazy how how nobody really cares about the artist's freedom Mm-mm. in that way. No, because I think at then by that point the artist and the music they produce becomes a product yeah. to be capitalized off of. So at any point, like I mean, we just we just saw this right with uh, Joe Budden, who I, I can't stand. You don't like Joe? No, he, he be saying some old wild ass shit. But he, <laughs> Pope, um, <laughs> my man Joe. No, he, I like Joe. I, I like the show. So. I like some of the yeah. stuff he says, but he made a really good point talking about DJ Academics, who I hate even more. Who oh, was gosh. like uh, basically like you know posting like all this like shit on his Instagram, kind of like incriminating six nine. Like, posting it that he shouldn't have been posted. It's like, why are you doing this? Like, it's right, already, right, like, the right. odds are already stacked against him. Like, right, why? Right, right. So, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a culture there that um, I th- capitalizes off of, like, their their pain in their life. and I, I okay, I kind of have a, a, a weird belief about it. I think that, I think, like, when, when dealing with stuff like that, like, Although I, I do understand from Joe Budden's perspective in a sense to where, like, hey, don't post stuff with him saying certain certain things or mm-hmm. maybe alleging towards certain things. I definitely get that part. But on the other two hands, one, the FBI already knows. It's not a, it's not a oh, academics is posting it, so therefore we know. Like, yeah. nah, they already know, my nigga. And then, yeah. two, 
the 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 one benefit of having a media ear to things like that is the world is watching mm-hmm. and the rest of the world may just like gloss over it, but we need people paying attention to the details of these cases. Yeah. Like they need to know like, Hey man, uh, you was, your manager got you caught up or such and such got you caught up or this was the situation. Like we need exposure, especially for our youth. Like academics has a large pool of just young guys and they need to see they need to see how this plays out detail by detail so they understand that this ain't no joke. No, it's really not. It's definitely not. So to spend a little bit more time on this question, um, so how is cultural appropriation particularly harmful in regards to music? I think uh, ultimately, just for me, the most harmful way that it, it is very, very just bad in regard to music is that it takes profit, again, away from the people producing the music. And so it kind of capitalizes off of their experiences. It mm-hmm. capitalizes off of things that are uniquely you know, defined for their culture? Mm-hmm. And then can you actually separate music from the artist producing it? I don't think you should. I don't think it's wise to, right? Because mm-hmm. when you do, you take it out of context once again, and you're putting it into a stage where the mainstream public, which is usually like a largely white audience, does not understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for instance, like I think Solange, when she, what was the name of her album? I see at the table. When she made mm-hmm. that album, that album is very, very black. And it's an album so that's beautiful. made. It is such so, a beautiful so album. Beautiful. And it's an album that's uniquely made for black women. Like it's mm-hmm. made for black women. And so I think I've, I've had so many conversations, especially with a lot of white feminists. Like, I really like that album. Like, I like how she's talking about her hair. Like, it's so cool. And like, it's, it's nice that they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But they don't. I don't think that they could ever really fully understand why it's so important to Black mm-hmm. women and why mm-hmm. it's so important to like our cultural aesthetic and the fact that like we are police for our hair, we're police for our skin, we're police for mm-hmm. literally like every single part of our identities. So I think ultimately, it's not really very safe to separate music from the artist or to separate art from the artist because I think ultimately like art is produced out of your experiences. So when you take Black art and mm-hmm. separate it from a Black artist, like what? In what ways are you de-identifying what the art is supposed to be, right. you know? Right, right, right. Not saying that black it's, music and black art shouldn't be in the mainstream and it can't be appreciated right. by other people that aren't black. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge this is, you know, this is something a black person made. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think the way I answered it was kind of different contextually. Mm-hmm. I agree with you in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. it should not be separated when we're thinking about, when we're thinking through the lens of white people or non-black people. Mm-hmm. Like... Yes, you need to understand uh, the depth by which she's talking about don't touch my hair. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to understand that that means, one, don't touch my motherfucking hair. <laughs> you need to get that point because she is a black woman. Yeah. But from from the perspective that I was talking about, I, I'm saying from, for us, we have to be able to separate it in terms of producing, in terms of, like, what labels are producing. So we understand that, hey, if this label, we need to be able to separate the two in a sense to where... If we see an artist rapping about something and maybe some off the wall shit that we just really is just really not good for us, mm-hmm. which you know, honestly, a lot of rap music, the lyrics aren't good for us in a sense. Yeah. Uh. Like we need to be able to separate the artist with the music from the people who are producing it because yeah. if we were looking at what they're saying, the message that they putting out, trap or die. Uh, fuck these hoes, da 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 da. We need to understand that we shouldn't hate our brother for saying those things. Rather, understand that he is a 
prisoner of capitalism and the people who are producing it are people who are not connected to it. So we need to make that separation in that way to understand that it's not just this artist. No, I think that's absolutely important. I think also to understand the context in which they're saying that. If that really is his life and like he's, you know, he grew up trapping, like shit, that's his life. That's like, his life. Uh, that's that like, part too. Yeah, like, yeah, we can't be mad at somebody not, for somebody expressing their, like, what, what they went through. Their truth, Like, that's right. their truth, yeah. yeah. Like, but I also think you said something really important as far as, like, I think black artists in particular, and I think we're becoming more aware of this, especially like, you know, the black wealth movement and just mm-hmm. black businesses and just talking about black ownership of the shit that just mm-hmm. is ours and should belong to us and we should be reaping the benefits from. I think it would really serve black artists and black people to really seek out opportunities where they're in a space where they can make music that is authentic and make art that is authentic that's not being, mm-hmm. you know, not being pushed in a way that is designed to like, get hits and follows and sales because I think when you start, you know, I think there's a kind of a fine line because you want to be compensated. You want to be able to make a living off of your art. Agreed. But you also want to be doing shit that's like super, super detrimental to your community and it's only going to cause more problems further down the line and right. put money into the pockets of people that already don't give a fuck about y'all or, you but know. That's exactly why we have to, like, we have to, we have to take ownership. Like, mm-hmm. it might be, I'm not going to say it's too late now with hip hop and with rap now. But with whatever music form we have, we have to uh, legitimately take ownership. And by ownership, I mean we define the characteristics by which it's supposed to be. So, for example, if I... I love Afro house music. Like, that's, like, my favorite thing to do. But it's not really, like, a big thing right now. Yeah. So the thing about it is if we said you are a true Afro house musician, if you, one, incorporate R&B vibes, two, incorporate an upbeat kind of situation, Mm -hmm. and three... Your, a part of your proceeds go goes back to a poor black community. Mm-hmm. Your Afro house music, we don't want to hear it if you're not adhering to those three things. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things in order to be included in the Afro house uh, circle of musicians. Mm-hmm. And that's what we stand on. Yeah. Then guess what that means? By us doing that, whoever comes, whoever becomes a part of it chooses to partake in it, whether it be black or non-black, like they understand in order for your Afro house to be approved, it has to give back to certain communities, right? But th- like then again, a sense of legitimacy, ex- exactly. Okay. But it, it's just attached to it, like it's just, it's automatic. The same way the hip hop, the early stages of hip hop, used to be like uh, I don't, I'm hip hop heads might kill me, but I be <laughs> like uh, uh, the dance part, the uh, the lyricism, yeah, the information, like it. It had to incorporate a lot of different things into it in order for it to be considered hip hop. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we got away from that because. For different reasons, different experiences, different people, different places, different interpretations. But had we maintained some of those core aspects of it, you could still trap and make hip hop if yeah. we had maintained a lot of those core things that it originally started with. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I think ultimately a lot of that has to do with the fact that just like as time has gone on, like more and more of the hip hop culture, more and more of the industry, the hip hop industry in particular has been monetized by white people who saw this and like this is like you know this is a cash cow like this is like selling mm-hmm. let's go ahead and put our our stakes in this mm-hmm. and i really wish that as we move forward which is why i love like jay-z so much um that we kind of like start to take more ownership like buy your masters back first of all so that they can't just use your shit any way that uh, they want to agree and jay-z's been talking about this yes. this, uh, this ownership perspective like yes, he's been years. on he's been on that for years yeah it's just that it's now becoming something that people are starting to kind of take a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. And that's where he is in the stage in life. He's like, a lot of my life is ownership, trying to own part of the the, the nets and ownership in teams and all mm-hmm. that. 
I mean, somebody has to do it. I think it's really hard, but I think also, no, you're fine. I think also it presents opportunities for more people in the future to really have ownership over their shit. Like, you know, like stop letting the labels. And I mean, a lot of the time, this is my thing, is I never judge anybody for that because if you're poor as shit, and you have a family, and you have things right. that you have to do, right. I'm not going to ever shit on you for doing what you felt was right in that moment, and for right. doing what you need to Never. do to meet your immediate needs. Right. You know, because like poverty, I don't think a lot of people really get, poverty is not this principal thing, well, I'm poor, and I shouldn't do that because it's wrong. No, poor is like, well, no, I got to do that, and I don't care it, if it's wrong. Out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. No, nah, it's not definitely all of that. So I have a much broader question for you. So what harm does cultural appropriation pose to marginalized groups just in general? Like, what are some different things that you can think of? Besides just, uh-huh. like, um, taking money out of the hands of the originators of these things that are, like, you know, being reappropriated for other uses. It's harmful because a lot of different ways, for a lot of different reasons. Um, for one, when you allow people to culturally appropriate, uh, especially in music, um, or in any kind of way, mm-hmm. uh, what you're what you're allowing, you're putting a message out there to the world. Because I don't think Black people realize, as American Black people, mm-hmm. there is a perception about us. Oh yes, there's there there are certain beliefs about us, and the thing about why why cultural appropriation is so potentially deadly is because let me take it back a little a little further. It's bad because when Malcolm X uh, was was appealing to the world court. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking to them and saying, "Hey guys, it's some they're 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 trampling on our civil rights. Like we need y'all to sanctions. We need whatever you can." And as a result, he got some real like some real reaction. Or he he connected with a lot of leaders in Africa. Like it it was a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Now fast forward to now, if we're talking to other leaders from around the world and saying black people are being marginalized, they might be like, "Well, according to Migos." Y'all niggas wearing Versace, Versace, and (laughs) y'all got money. Y'all throwing money like y'all not looking too bad. Oh god, you're not looking that bad. And so if they if America continues to allow our people to get murdered in major ways, then that's what ends up happening. And then the second part of it too is Dr. Martin Luther King talked about it. He was like, "What the first thing any group when they're trying to destroy you, what they first do is try to buy you out. If they can't buy you out." Then what they're gonna do? They're gonna try to tarnish your name. Mm-hmm. If they can't tarnish your name completely, then they're gonna shut you out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost it's almost prophetic in a sense to where are we in that phase now to where they're trying to phase us out by making us look bad on a larger scale. So when things start happening to us, people in other countries are looking at their TVs like, well, shoot, they was shooting uh, each other. Goddamn, they was killing each other. They was doing all this stuff like, and no one will listen to us. Because of this image. Oof. Oof. You said a mouthful there. I think um, that's really, really profound in the sense that when we look back, when our children look back on, you know, what we're listening to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like this whole mumble rap, they're Mm going to be like, you know, like, this is what they were listening to. And I think anytime music is produced and it's accepted on a mainstream level, Especially, like, I really want to focus on that phrase when it's accepted on a mainstream level. Mm-hmm. It becomes okay and it becomes legitimate in a lot of ways, even if it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be passed down to, like, our kids and they're going to think that, like, this is okay. I also think the main reason, another reason that cultural, not the main reason, but another reason that cultural appropriation is really, really, really harmful is that you take something, even, like, this is the thing, like, even if it's harmful, like, even if something that the Migos or, well, shit, who else? 
I don't know who else is like popping. We're talking artists. About Travis Scott, Drake, Travis Scott, oh, like Drake, mainstream, like all big these artists. like mainstream big artists say something. It's like you know they take it and they give it to somebody different, somebody that doesn't necessarily belong to like the black community. Like for instance, what's this little that dude's Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang? Oh, Lil Pump. Yes, that's like, a whole nother conversation right there. The, man. Like the colorful like ass man. hair and like the tattoos and the drugs man, and look, the pills. Look, they trying to replace black people, man. I'm just gonna that's, go and that's, say that. That's I'm what I'm. <laughs> that's where I'm going with this. Is <laughs> like you crazy. know, it's like they take the sound and they put like I'm gonna say this. Like I love Adele. I don't think Adele should be as big as Adele really is. And this is why. It's because there are, like, literally five other artists, black artists, that make the same type of music that she's making. I'm like, so why aren't they getting the same type of, like, I think comparably to her, I think Jasmine Sullivan has a comparable voice. Right. Jasmine Sullivan is not as big. She has a following. She's going to be good probably for the rest of her life. But she's not comparably as big as Adele is. And I think that's the issue when, like, you take the sound that is associated like who said that? It was like some uh, Jennifer Lewis or somebody like some old black like Broadway star. She's like, they want R&B, but they don't want it from us. It's like, you're perfectly okay with like, right. you know, Justin Timberlake getting on stage and singing like, you know, making like these really, really good R&B albums. I'm a fan. Like, I like it. Like, it sounds good. <laughs> JT. <laughs> but it's like, you know. He nice. <laughs> he, he has, he's inevitably influenced. Bruno Mars inevitably influenced by like, you know, New Jack Swing, these black artists from the 80s and like right. the 70s. Right. But they're not getting any of that retribution. Right. And artists that are from the same generation as JT that are influenced by the same but black artists from the same generation that are influenced by the same black artists mm-hmm. he's influenced from, they're not making that kind of money. They're not selling out arena tours and shit like that. Like, you know. It, it's 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 just interesting because it's like it is it is they're co-opting it. That's yes. that's one thing. Yes. That's that's the major part. And then what they're doing it, what they're doing with hip hop, they're making it like every other in in institution that mm-hmm. we're a part of. So for example, Obama, President Obama was uh when he was I think he was delivering his address to the Morehouse men and he was talking to them about like the same thing we've all heard in a sense to where you have to be twice as good and work twice as hard to get half as much mm-hmm. as your white counterpart or as your counterparts. Right. So with that being said, there was a so let's connect this to hip hop. Like that's that's that what he said. That concept applies to multiple situations in which we're talking about jobs, talking about education. We're talking about all these things that are basically white ran, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, uh, in that instance, the thing is with hip hop. That's how you know it's becoming increasingly white ran because now black artists have to be the best, the the hardest bar spitting, the the roughest and thuggest, and the most extreme. Just to get a part yes. of that recognition, or just to get a part of of, of a look. But yes. the thing about it is, a Spanish kid, a Spanish kid, or a non-black kid who's rapping, people looking at him like, "Oh my God, he's so nice, he's so good." Right. Like, he look how cold he is. Right. You know, what I'm and honestly, truth be told, like Adele, you ain't really no better than the other people who we done heard. Yeah, you're just you, white, like, you're or you're just not black not doing like, it. So it's like, yeah. wow. I'm not saying like they're like that's the thing. It's like you're not necessarily bad, but you're yeah, not. But you're not you're like average. just you're just yeah. You're just not something great to where I'm like you need to you need to be in this position over Sister McDaniel's mm-hmm. at <laughs> Church of God in Christ, Den, Denley Avenue Church of God in Christ. You know, like you're not better than her. Like yeah, she's a, definitely a better singer, but for some reason, because of your culture, because of your skin, 
like you're going to get more of a look and that's how you know again we don't control that industry anymore or as much anymore because again when we did we was looking at white rappers like huh and it took them a while to get there they was knocking at the door eminem mc hammer they was knocking at the door they was trying to get in but eminem i think might have been eminem who cracked that who, who really cracked that door open you know uh you said limp biscuit Oh, Beastie Boys. Beastie okay, Boys. that's true. Yes, but even then, too. but even even then, they, yeah, you're right. They 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 definitely cracked the door open. Mm-hmm. But I felt like because they were on a all black Def Jam, mm-hmm. like they weren't necessarily seen as a as a threat threat in that sense. And and the majority of artists were black. Still, it was like a like Beastie Boys. Were like okay, they're cool. But now we're at the instance to where non black rappers are like number one, number two, number three. So several things I want to talk about here. Um, so recently, Gucci Mane, <laughs> he came out. He was like Eminem. It's yeah, uh, Laflair came out and was like, I saw that Eminem is not the great one of the greatest rappers. He shouldn't be because he's not somebody I would play in my car. Like, and you know, while I like Eminem, I actually think that he capitalized a lot off of hip hop in ways that he necessarily wouldn't have been able to had he been a black man. Right. Saying some of this shit, like the wild, like crazy white boy shit, like talking about raping people and, and shit. killing like, his mama and yeah, all that. all sorts like, of shit that like, it's just like super, super weird. And the thing is, is that if hip hop is not, is if it's traditionally and conventionally associated with black people, then this white boy comes in saying all this crazy shit about raping people and he's considered a hip hop artist and that talks about, that like, you know, feeds into hip hop largely and it makes hip hop as a whole look bad when it's mostly associated with black people. And so now you've inserted this influence in there that wasn't necessarily what it was or what it was meant to be in the first place. And then to be considered one of the great, like, like people are like, he is the greatest. And I'm like, mm. Uh, uh, it's it's a lot of ways that you can come at that, but I think I think the go ahead. What you about no, to go? I, I was gonna say this one last thing. Like I'm from West Texas. Like where I'm from, there's not a lot of yes, three West two five. Side. There's not a lot of um, like the cultural, like the demographics are a lot different. There are a lot of poor white people right in that part of the state. Right, and um, like things that I I don't this phrase like this like kind of like white culture like white trash culture is very pervasive like it's a lot of meth out right. there it's a lot of like crazy shit going on and so Eminem is like their hero and so Eminem is like considered to be like this hero for like poor white people who want like who like identify I guess with hip hop on a larger scale mm-hmm. but they don't really have anybody to speak specifically to them mm-hmm. so in a sense it's like you have to really like flesh out all the dynamics but as a hip-hop mm. hero and like it's one of the greatest i'm just kind of like eh. see it's, it's 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 so much to unpack with eminem with that question yes but, uh, he's a whole but, but the thing i guess the thing about it is like just going back to your original comment with gucci right gucci was like hey man you bumping him in your car i ain't bumping him really in my car mm-hmm. have i ever like it's like I think what what it what it was. I think with him being one of the first shock values of our generation. Mm-hmm. Let me say that. Yes, for him, sure. Him being one of those, and then too, it was easy for him to mix in because he just whitenized the 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 I guess the bad characteristics of what hip hop was turning into in terms of misogyny, in yes. terms of violence towards women, in terms of now all there's these this things. white guy doing it. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, majority of black people learned our violent tactics from our oppressors, so it doesn't <laughs> make sense yeah. uh, in that way. But for him to really be partaking in it, like, he, and I think he appealed to black people because 
a lot of white media wanted to portray, I mean, they wanted to portray white men as the best, the this, mm-hmm. the that. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of their media, I mean, obviously, there were bad guys, whatever, whatever, but for the most part, their their PR reps made sure uh, that America looked good in terms of how white men were uh, put out, in yeah. a sense. You know what I'm saying? In terms yeah. of being heroes and yeah. the one who saves the day, all these, all this other propaganda. But the thing about Eminem, I think why he appealed to us is because he didn't acquiesce to those, to that Superman mentality. Like he didn't, he, he didn't rejected acquiesce. a lot of that, right? Yeah, he, he rejected yeah. a lot. He rejected a lot of that. Like I said, he was talking about how addicted he was to how you know, like addicted to drugs and pills and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like black people could relate because. I mean, like, not so much that we struggled with pills and wanted to kill our mama, but we struggled. <laughs> we we had we had struggles of poverty, and and he spoke to that, and the fact that he spoke in our language through hip hop. Right, I think that's another reason why he was so, in particular, so successful is because yeah. he was poor, yeah. and he grew up like in a black neighborhood. Yeah. He grew up, you know, in like a really, really, really rough part of yeah. Detroit, and so like there, I think there were people. I think when you talk about um, class, that mm. adds an added dimension into cultural appropriation because yeah. I think that kind of like stirs things up. Like, you know, he mm. doesn't really identify with mm. what the media was necessarily trying to do with him, which is why I think he had so many issues with them ultimately. They, you know, they wanted to ban him. And yeah, all, all of that. No, nah, he he was he was getting he was getting a lot of publicity from from what he for what he was doing. Mm. And I, and let me make sure I'm clear about this. Like, our acceptance of the things that he did or the relatability of him mm-hmm. made him just acceptable. It didn't make him a rap god. It didn't make him the greatest MC to ever. It just made him be somebody who we could potentially listen to or why wow, he's interesting or his perspective is, is kind of is kind of crazy, but it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Because it's hip-hop. Yeah. But the fact that he had the money behind him by white people who were from mm-hmm. those trailer parks and white people from these areas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because he had that behind him, media got behind him. So they were following the money and we saw him being escalated in all these situations, MTV, BET, all that other kind of stuff. But that was because the money followed him. Yes, 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 yes. The white money followed him. Yes. We just was took it we just went for the ride. Yeah, I think uh he just became so like large. He was just kinda like there. Yeah. You know, he was just there. So it was yeah. kinda like, well shit. Shit. Um all right. So Last question of the night. So how do you think cultural appropriation ultimately ties into capitalism and this unceasing desire for profit? Um, money, money, money. It's it's one of those things to where it's it's the it's going to show us the natural order of things mm-hmm. in a sense to where like the natural order of things is for things to learn okay. and then come back with a better response. Or the next time we go around this cycle, we're just going to go a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. In terms of how we do things, we're gonna go. We're gonna be a little bit better. I.e., why Migos is under QC. QC is an independent label and probably one of the biggest top dog entertainment. One of the biggest, like mm-hmm. Rockefeller Records. Well, I mean, I guess it's it's, it's not Rock, Rockefeller Records no more, but it's Rock Nation. But a lot of our independent, in, a lot of our independent uh, 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 labels are are only getting bigger. So it's like it's like the way that like. It's it's like we're 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 learning how to play their game so well. We just we we just have to hope that we anticipate the next move because we know how that goes. Whenever you learn the rules to a game, and you start winning. They change up the rules. Absolutely. So I think what it what I think to answer the question <laughs> in the right kind of way, uh, it ties to it in a sense to where it forces the people that it's taking advantage of to become smarter. 
It forces yeah, that. It's like forcing that, it. Uh, that theme of like adaptability that black people always have to like adapt and keep adapting and keep mm-hmm. adapting and keep progressing and just kind of like, you know, staying one step ahead of our our shit, our oppressor, or really nothing else that you can really call it. Um, and I think ultimately, like, you know, it's one of those things that anytime, I think just white people and capitalism has such a detrimental relationship and such an oppressive relationship with black people mm-hmm. because ultimately they don't really care about us unless they can make money off us, i.e. music, i.e. Right. sports, right. fashion, hair. Like, we're not really valuable to them unless our shit is placed on the body of someone who isn't black, preferably somebody who's white right. that can then be monetized. Right. Like, that's why, you know, anytime I talk about cultural appropriation, like, you really... I always mention the Kardashians because I really feel like their whole business model, like all this Instagram, like the whole Instagram aesthetic, this is shit they took from like Instagram models who are primarily black or mm-hmm. mixed race mm-hmm. or it's just a lot of like um, stuff that's going on that I see, whereas there's really no value placed on black culture until it can be monetized by somebody else and that profit can be given to somebody who's like white. Right. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think what's happening right now, it's actually a positive thing for us. Mm-hmm. I think that what's what's happening is we're paying more attention to the things that we that we create. And mm-hmm. we're actually thinking more so with a mindset of that, because like capitalism is going to take rap wherever it wants to take it. That's the problem. Yeah. They're going to take it. They're going to take it to the depths of hell if it can if it can make them a million dollars. They right. they don't care. They don't care how we gonna end up getting treated as a result of it. Uh none of that. They there's no regard to it. But for us, what we're going to have to do or what it's forcing us to have to do is just really think about the content we put out and learn more about the industry because this like all of the podcasts, all of these new wave of media expressions, mm-hmm. uh, from the YouTube videos to all of this to all of that. That's as a result of us, of us, of of capitalism through labels forcing us to have to do it on our own mm-hmm. because we're knocking at the, or there was a period in time, we were knocking at these doors trying to get be the Dr. Dre's and be this person and be that. And now we're realizing, hey, there's another thing called the internet that we can use. Yes, yes. And we can learn all these things. We can put out this, we can put out media content. And also while I'm learning this, I'm learning that I don't have to be the rapper. Mm-mm. I can be the executive producer. I can be... The uh, the mic specialist. I can be the uh, sound person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like capitalism is like we've always done. We've 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 turned lemons into lemonade. We turn lemons into lemonade. That's what it's forced. Absolutely. Us to do. I think that ultimately, um, in addition to that, like I always talk about social media because social media and the internet has increased visibility of black art. And I think before, because of cultural appropriation, it makes us very conscious of what we're producing and like ultimately how we're how we're um, exerting ownership over our art, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's so much visibility now that like, you know, you go onto Instagram, you could just be doing something simple like advertising for whatever like project you have and somebody could take that. Somebody mm-hmm. could steal that from you because it's in a public space mm-hmm. where Oh yeah, that's that's consumed. kind of the drawback to it. That is the drawback to it. So it's like one while it does increase visibility for black art and for black artists and gives us more independence to actually produce the art, it also raises some implications about Ownership, mm-hmm. copyright laws, mm-hmm. trademark laws. And we're learning those things yes, we little are. by little. And you know what's crazy? Uh, who was I talking my One of my friends is in law school, one of my really close friends, and she was like, you know, property law is huge right now. She's like, intellectual property law mm. is like the fastest growing, you know, area of law right now because mm-hmm. of like everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. And I think it directly correlates to the fact that 
people are getting, you know, especially people of color, tired of their shit getting stolen. Right, right. And trying like, to get you know, this coin back. Somebody else making a billion dollars, they got a billion dollar empire off of some shit mm-hmm. that like, you know. And and that's the next step to it too. Like that's the next step. Realizing that when we do have something good, how can mm-hmm. we create an empire amongst ourselves? How can we monetize? How it? can we monetize this for our for, good though? For our good. Right. For our, for for our benefit. Yes. And so yeah, I'm 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 the the the, the devil meant it for bad, <laughs> but but God is working it out for our good. Yeah, I love it. All right, so then thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode, I think this, y'all, this is episode four. I remember now it's episode four, uh, Capitalism and Culture Appropriation Part 2, where we talk music. So, Gabe, if you will just tell them one more time your social media handle. Again, uh, I am DJGS, Black Spades Media, at Black Spades Media, um, and DJGS. So, yeah, if you see GS on the cover DJing, just come on over. I might get you a drink. If I got a drink tab, I might I might play your song. Yay. Thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all have a good night. Okay. Oh. Can I shout? Oh, hold on. Can I, can I shout out some people real quick? Okay. Go ahead. I also want to definitely shout out um, uh, some dope people who I work directly with. Uh, one uh, black my black canvas crew princess Cam Kev every uh, second and fourth Thursday we're gonna take a break in January but I don't know when this is gonna get put out but we'll be back in February <laughs> for sure or at the end of January so that's the uh, open mic crew um, we we do it at a black owned business uh, it's cool just so come through for that um, also I work with Debonair Society that's my man Pierre that's my man Foster um, we do uh, have Debonair Weekend that's once every once every month, it's usually like the third Friday. Third Friday, uh, there's a, 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 a mingling over mimosas, which is more of the brunch part, and then mingling over martinis, which is the evening, usually a Friday night event. Nice. Um, also, shout out to my young crew that, that I'm grooming, HBK. You know, some young guys who uh, are going to be influencing the Dallas culture through fashion, music, and uh, real cool uh, jiggy events. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jiggy, I love it. Um, let me see who who else I want to shout out. Shout out Crown Holders. Shout out. Um, shout out. That, shout out my Wednesday family. Shout out my Toast for Charity family. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying all my all my peoples. Let me see. I'm trying to make sure I ain't missed <laughs> that. Uh, DFW Black Health Professionals. Leah. You know what I'm saying. Um, my Think Tank crew. How can I forget? Last but not least, my Think Tank crew. Once every every other Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, it's a cool workspace. Me and Kiara, uh, we put that together. So that's it's, it's a workspace for uh, black creatives and black uh, entrepreneurs, uh, all of that. And uh, shout out Scotty for letting us use the space. And um, I think that is it. Yes. Yeah, so if you're ever in Dallas, make sure you hit up all these various events. Also, this Saturday, uh, I am inviting my friend Demetrius, who guest star twice on season one to come in and talk about cardi b and this whole austin situation because it's a whole lot of fuckery going on a lot of stuff to unpack but thanks guys for tuning in we'll see y'all next time peace peace what's free free is when nobody else can tell us what to be free is when the tv ain't controlling what we see told my niggas i need you through all the fame you know i stay true Pray my niggas stay free Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be Before I'm judged by 12, put a 12 on my feet Told my niggas I need you 
stay up. I know these times ain't true. Real life was free. Just a lad, I was cunning. Just got a pad out in London. I keep stacking my money. I need a ladder.